0: We talk ourselves into scarcity and, and think we're only limited to this thing. Well, I can't do this. Well, there are people in this. And it's like, no, you're, you're, you're a human being and you deserve to have goodness, just like I do. And when you believe that, it reflects in your business. It reflects in everything, everything you do, your relationships, your job. When we're moving from a place of abundance and rather than a place of lack and scarcity, there's so much waiting for you on the other side. And that's something I I wish I knew when I started because I thought it was very scarce, but there isn't. There's a spot for you. And if there isn't one, you create one.
1: This is Pittsburgh, a place where a rich heritage of making things and a fierce independent nature come together to create a thriving entrepreneurial community. Whether you're a small business owner looking for ideas or inspiration, or you're an enthusiastic supporter of local businesses, you'll find it here. I'm your host, Darren Volano, and this is The Proprietors of Pittsburgh Podcast. Hey everyone, it's your host, Darren Volano, and I just pulled up in front of Opia Studios on the south side, and today I am going to be meeting with Chi Alochi. Her business is called Styling by Chi, and this particular studio is just an example of one of many places that she would work in when she's working with clients. So we selected this as a place to do the podcast, and she's going to show us around. We're going to talk about you know, what it's like to work in a studio and do fashion, and then we're going to sit down and have a conversation. So I'm so excited to do it. Let's get started and meet Chi. Today, my guest is Chi Alochi. She is the owner of Styling by Chi. Chi, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. So, just to get started, could you just give us a quick overview of your business? Maybe tell us a little bit more about what you do, a few of the services that you offer, and maybe the types of clients that you work with.
0: Absolutely. I've been running Styling by Chi for some years now. And I offer a variety of services from personal shopping to editorial styling, mood board styling. Some of the clients I work with are small businesses, small business owners, those who are differently abled, autism, mentally ill, physically ill, just a way to make people feel empowered and inspired through fashion and style.
1: And today we are in a studio on the South Side, it's called Opia Studios, and This is just an example of one of many places you could work in. I know you could work in studios, you could work in all sorts of settings. (laughs) Maybe you'll give us a feel for a little bit about that. But since we're here today, I was wondering if you could point out to us maybe some of the features of an interior studio that you would look for when either selecting it for a client, whether that's a business client, maybe that's an individual for some reason, they want to have a, a different type of place to maybe do a photo shoot or something. Mm-hmm. What um, features does this place have that uh, you would normally look for?
0: Oh, of course. One thing I love the most about Opia is creative control. So there's not a monitor on on how you move or what you move. Just make sure, you know, you clean up after yourself. An open space, many backdrops. It's in a prime location, And there's great lighting and all of these things are key to having that photo shoot. Or if you're doing a shoot for an up and coming business owner or small business or branding, it just gives you a lot to work with from the props, plants, chairs, you know, it kind of makes you feel at home. And that's the goal with every client.
1: Yeah. I noticed a lot of different backdrops and different features. So you have like an exposed brick wall in the one corner, you have a movable, what would you call this? Like kind of a prop wall behind you right here that... You can yeah. flip and, and you get different, uh, a different design on each side or something yeah. like that?
0: Yeah, it can be used as a backdrop if you were want, wanting to do an editorial shoot or something creative.
1: And this over here is, could be kind of like, it's right now it's like a white backdrop. I don't know if it could be possibly a green screen or not, but it looks like you can put different backgrounds and uh, do different things for video or photo.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And have you, when you've used this space before, is this typically an area... That you would Yeah, use or you I love been that con- space, yeah. I
0: love that area. There's various backdrops there they usually keep them up there, mm-hmm. Uh pink, blue, yellow. But when I want to give something serious or something a bit more refined, I go for the white backdrop, which mm-hmm. captures very well,
1: and there's a room in here, too, almost it's not really an office, but it kind of gives you that sense. But it's uh, also probably maybe more of a storage kind of area. but, we're going to use this for our podcast, today, right. right? So I'm not sure what you know is, or do people do
0: people change something? in here? Oh, it's going to be a
1: changing room if okay. they're
0: doing ecom. They set up the clothing there and and you know get that situated, put it on the racks, make sure they steam it, and you know this is where clients change as well.
1: Yeah, because it has a blind that pulls down there, so that would work as well. And uh, and today it's going to be a podcast, though. Uh, and, <laughs> and my understanding with the uh, studio folks that they've used this space for podcasting, yeah. So. Um, yeah that's really interesting and it's uh and it's it's got some nice backdrop and setting that almost gives you like a living room feel over in that corner Does that give you a, a, some variety there like yeah. if you want to do a photo shoot and you wanted to move furniture in and out
0: yeah I've i've used the couch before with a good friend of mine who's a photographer to give a vogue kind of high fashion feel she the model posed with the couch and it was very nostalgic but very rich in that sense we also use plants as well. So, it's kind of a spur of the moment. I need another prop and okay, here's a plant, <laughs> here's a chair. So
1: Now, besides an inside an interior studio like this, you could also work outdoors. I know I've I've seen photos on your website, different types of feels and urban feel you can create, you know, when you're working outside in the natural environment. That's a whole different thing because you you can't world. really control sometimes the cars that are going by yeah. or what's going on. So, how do you how do you typically select a place when it's outside, you know, is is that driven a lot by the client or do you have ideas as well?
0: It depends on the client, but if it's creative shoot, I like to make sure that the architecture complements the outfit itself so that when the viewer sees it, it's something that sticks with them. So, okay, I I love the brick. This is giving a brownstone kind of feel. And this is, let's say a seventies theme or eighties theme kind of look, making sure that it makes sense and that even if it's on location or it's outdoors, it's intentional. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, somebody who's a novice like me, you know, it's we sort of take the backdrop for granted. You know, when you look at these yes. photos that are professionally done, they look so beautiful. And I think if you just change that background and you don't have the right background, that can really change the, the look and feel of the whole image. And I think it's a, a true professional that can select the right background and make it seem obvious that that's the right background, right?
0: right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I've noticed that with a lot of your photos that that are Thank and I know you. you're not not the photographer but you're working with photographers
0: mm-hmm. you're selecting
1: the fashion outfits and you have a you have a voice when it comes to the venue. So I yeah. know this all coordinates and goes together, correct?
0: Yeah, it has to. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and um are there any interesting venues that you've worked in maybe that are interior like, you know, whether it's a museum space or um a university or anything like that that stands out that hmm. has been, you know, kind of an interesting place to work in that you maybe didn't think of initially?
0: It's a place I love to visit, but I've never worked in, but the Phipps Conservatory. I would love to have some kind of shoot, whether it be personal branding, editorial, creative, whatever it is, because there's so much that you can work with, so many colors. The energy is beautiful there. And that's something that's very important for me, for anyone I work with. That they feel comfortable and that the space reflects their comfortability. Mm-hmm. So I would I would love to to do that.
1: Yeah, that seems like uh, a terrific place. and yeah. uh, very photogenic. So yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. So the um, main types of clients that you work with, we kind of talked about that a little bit. You have the three main types that stand out to me. You have the small businesses that you could work with that could hire. Most of those are going to be local. You also have individuals that may hire you as well, and then you have the nonprofits, which you touched on. As well. Now, I can imagine there's some overlap between yeah. these because, you know, there's, you know, it's still styling services that you're offering, but there also can be some differences, right? Because yes. the needs of a nonprofit are going to be different than a business and those are going to be different than individual. Can you maybe just compare and contrast a little bit about these categories so we can get a feel for what it's like to work with a nonprofit or a small business and uh, let us into your world a little bit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Working with a nonprofit is a, is very structured. So we want what we want. We want it this way. We're grateful that you're here, but this is the goal and the vision we have. With an individual, there's a little bit of creative control and a little bit of freedom because they trust you. And not to say the nonprofits don't, but it's, okay, this is my personal style and you're creative and I may struggle to be creative in this area. So I am going to let you kind of do your thing. And it, that's a I'm open to both differences, but it's definitely, okay, we have to put on different hats. Okay. So you have to be a bit more serious as it pertains to a nonprofit, whereas an individual, you can have a little bit of fun. You can joke a little bit, but they're they're both an amazing experience, I'll say.
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll bet that gives you some variety too, so that you can yeah. exercise your creative <laughs> influence when you're working with an individual, but then- you're also disciplined to work within the constraints of the nonprofit. So, And I would right. imagine the business probably, like yeah. a small business like a nonprofit's gonna have a, a goal, they're gonna have a budget yeah. and things like that. So it's gonna be a little bit more structured. Mm-hmm. So you talked a little bit earlier about some of the services you provide, the personal styling services, the virtual styling. These are more for individuals. You also can do one-on-one coaching or templates. Those could be for aspiring fashion professionals, people that yes. want to get into, uh, the business, um, or they're new into the business and you have mm-hmm. a lot of things that you can teach. Or it could be the brand styling for the small businesses, as we talked about. Can you tell us? I'm curious, what are some of the more popular you and that's just by the way, just to touch on some of the services that you offer on your on your website, there there's more too. What are some of the more popular services that you tend to offer where people are really coming back for again and again? I'm just curious if there's one that's more dominant. And um, also, what do, you, what do you like about offering the different services? You know, there's some things that, that you've enjoyed about, because uh, there, there could be some variety there in what you're doing.
0: Right. I'd say right now is the Vintage Subscription Box. Oh, so wow. that's okay. three monthly outfits. You get that consultation included, similar to that of a Stitch Fix. So they don't have to deal with the hassle of going to the store and it doesn't fit and have to take it back. And I don't really know what I want to wear. So I think excuse me, I know the purpose for having multiple services is that everyone feels welcome. And that's something that's very important for me, that there's a, there's relatability and you're at home and styling is, it's, it's another world. So many don't know much about it, but when you enter, I want you to feel like, okay, there's something for me. So I don't know about this. I should get a template. I don't want to leave the house and shop because it's cold out. I should get the subscription box. I kind of want to break into the industry, but I don't know what route to take. Let me get the one-on-one coaching service. So it's it was designed that way to make sure everyone has a space and everyone's at home in, in that sense.
1: And I'm wondering, uh, you probably get a lot of feedback from clients because you have clients of all types. And how have they shaped your services, your offerings over the years? Because I would imagine you've changed a little bit. What yeah. you do now is probably... Because when you go on your website now, it's a very robust, complete set of offerings <laughs> a lot of variety you. as you'd mentioned and you're hitting all those areas you're trying to offer making making it as accessible to lots of people but i'm I'm assuming that evolved a little bit you know how was uh the feedback shaped your offerings
0: the feedback and i thank god for it has been very positive and it's helped me see my value and i believe a lot of business owners up and coming business owners struggle to see the value in their their business and whether it be a consultation or a photo shoot and they have such a great time. They have a great experience. And that boosts your confidence as a business owner, as a stylist. And it made me think, okay, let's try something new. And trying something new, it may be a failure, maybe a success, but at least you tried. So it gave me that that confidence to offer more because they loved what was already available.
1: And you also sell some clothing items on your website. Yeah. And then you have the vintage box that you just talked about, which involves clothing. And I think it's important to point out for listeners that um, you are a fashion professional consultant and, and stylist, but not necessarily a designer. That's a different no, part of the industry. It's a
0: whole nother world. <laughs> Could you educate
1: us a little bit on that and tell us for those listening that, uh, you know, what are some of the differences between the two and, and what you do versus say a, a clothing designer?
0: Designing is is another world. There's a a lot that comes with it from working with different manufacturers different garments, different silhouettes, everything may not come out the way if you you have a manufacturer in, in another country, there's allergens, people may be allergic to cotton, others may be allergic to satin, you know, so in a legal sense, there's a lot you have to go through. You know, if you want I think your intellectual property is very important for any business, but you want to make sure it's not trademarked. If you have a design, you want to make sure that you're protected because it may end up on a fast fashion website you have to deal with a heartache of that. And it requires far more patience, I'll say, than being a stylist.
1: Probably a lot more capital too, because yes. you're you're buying fabric, you're you're cutting and sewing. Yeah. It's, it's a there's risk. There's a lot of risk there's involved. There's a lot far of more uh, risk. Like you said, there's the copyability too. Like you you might do something and then you turn around, you put it out there, and somebody grabbed it real quick, and they already have it on their site, and
0: and it's sold out.
1: And you have the you know the legal ramifications of dealing with that if you want to, and it's that can be a headache. So yeah, I can imagine there's a lot of a risk and um, <laughs> and a lot of you know. So <laughs> yes. we have a lot of respect, right, for for designers. Absolutely. We need designers because yeah. they're they're putting the forward fashion forward things out there, but it's uh that's a it's a whole different world. Yes. <laughs> Compared to styling and and consulting, which is what you do, and. Tell us yeah, a little bit more about that. Styling,
0: part. Is, it, there's ease. That's the first <laughs> word I'll use. It's not easy because every client is different. You can work very hard on mood board styling or. The consultation and the the client can say, last minute, I want to try something different. There's more
1: and flexibility. Yes right.
0: yes. and when you're working with various body types or you're working with confidence and that's essentially someone's baby, a man, a woman, a, a child, it doesn't matter. So you want to I want to treat that with care. And sometimes you can overthink it. sometimes you're like, am I am I imposing too much of my views on them because the goal is to help them evolve their style. And I'm just kind of a coach, mm-hmm. but there's flexibility. It's not very strict. There's not that risk in a sense. Not that um, big
1: capital risk. Yes. So tell me if I'm wrong, but I mean, what I like about what you do is, well, it is lower startup capital, you know, it's because yeah. you're just bringing your professional expertise to the table. But what I love about it is no one else can be you. You have your yeah. own style that I'm sure you've developed you know, probably just doesn't happen on day one. You know, you develop no, it over the yeah. course of time, mm-hmm. but it's not really, that part's not cop, like the way you interact with clients, the rapport you have, the relationship, the sense of style and design, the ability to see the right pieces on the right person. And, and not that there's only one answer, but, you know, to, to be able to put something together, maybe in a way they didn't think about. These things are not you, they're not. You can't just duplicate and make another chi. You know, it's you know, <laughs> you're your own person, and I love that aspect about what you do. Is that when you Thank come you. in and you make a statement, and you let people know who you are, and you put your style out there, that that, in a sense, becomes that's the center of your business in a lot of ways. And yeah, it's, yeah. Other people can, and I'm I'm sure you want other people to get into the industry. You know, you're you want to see fashion thrive in, in our region and if other people want to get in you're supportive as a matter of fact you offer those services that we talked about for other people that are starting so it's not that you're afraid of competition but right. you also are confident enough to know that only you can be you yeah do you see it that way as well
0: absolutely there's there's power in your authenticity and there's power in your person and i think working in the fashion industry and spending years building my personal style as you said where it was a lot of hit and miss. Some outfits were terrible. I'm going to be honest. But, it, but it's, it gives you that confidence and it helps you become self-assured. And that is very, very crucial to have. And it creates sustainability in your own right, in your own lane. Understanding that no one is your competition. Everyone is your proof that it can be done. And they prove to you that when you're yourself, blessings meet you on the other side.
1: Now, one of the things that really interested me about you and I read about you, learned a little bit more about you and also spoke with you is the nonprofit work that you do. And again, we we touched on that at the beginning of this conversation, but I just wanted to dive into this a little deeper because to me, as somebody who's outside your industry, I, you know, I don't have the inside knowledge that you have, so I'm just an outside person, but it really struck me as interesting that that you could apply this in the way that you do and you have. And when I think about Styling services and the work that you do, I think about it more as a, I always thought about it more as a luxury. It's a luxury, and in, and in some ways, it is a luxury service. You know, to be able to have the disposable income to be able to hire a stylist to work with them to help them with their closet and their wardrobe. Even if you're a business, you know, a business has to have the budget to be able to to hire someone like you because they want to showcase their products or accessories. You know, th- these things take take money. And then yet you've found a way to work with nonprofits and to apply this. Can you give us an example of a nonprofit that you worked with and tell us what you did so that we can understand how that works and get a better sense of how you can apply your work to that world?
0: Yeah. Manchester Craftsman's Guild, that was the one of the first nonprofits I've worked with in the beginning of my journey. And it was styling their... I believe it was students in their art program. it was it was around summer during Covid. And it was something that was promoting mental health and wearable arts that can make you feel empowered and encouraged if you're going through a tough time, if you're feeling anxious, if you're going through depression, what have you. And that was another world, but it was it was an honor because, as you said, fashion styling is a luxurious service but every human being deserves access to luxury. And everyone defines luxury differently. So I wanted to make sure that there was inclusivity and that, you know, there were times when I was younger, it was, you know, shopping at or (laughs) (laughs) all of these random places. So I wanted to make sure I didn't contribute to further perpetuating that stereotype that you have to have X amount of money or you have to have these degrees or you have to have, the, the cars, you have to be married, you have to have the kids. Now you can have a stylist. And working with these nonprofits has shown me that it doesn't have to be like that and it can start with you.
1: And with that example, did did you seek them out because you knew you could do something in this area? Did you approach them or did they, did they find you? How did that work?
0: We actually connected through a friend, through a, through a friend who I had lost, who was an artist. And we, we kept in touch. We, we just kept in touch they knew I was a stylist and they told me about their wearable arts program I believe it was and we just connected and it was something that I was I was just excited to be a part of
1: yeah it seems like the perfect fit like the way yeah. you described it I know a little bit about them and and uh yeah it seems like a good match so that's great that you' were able to work with them and that's just one Thank example you. of some of the work that you've done uh, you touched on something that I wanted to talk about too which is you know the accessibility of your work and you know when I heard you just say a minute ago, Made me think of, yeah, when you got into this industry and decided to put your fingerprint on it and to develop your business, what's so different about you is instead of driving a further wedge and making, you know, deepening the gap between those that have and those that don't have enough to be able to use the services that you provide, you you are trying to do the opposite. You're finding a way to close that gap, to squeeze it, move it in the other direction and make it as accessible as possible so that people who wouldn't normally think that they would be able to use these services can use these services. Yeah. And I think that's been one of the things that really distinguishes you. It set you apart here regionally and and in the industry. And I'm wondering if you could tell us where does that desire come from? That seems like a central part of your mission is this accessibility, inclusivity, where does that come from within you? You know, where did this, I would imagine this idea was from the very beginning, probably, right? It, or, or did it, or am I wrong? Did it develop? Tell us a little bit about how you came to this point.
0: I think it developed. I can definitely say it developed when I was going through a tough time mentally. And when you're alone and you have that time to be with yourself, you think back. And I remember being a kid and seeing the way that people, excuse me, st- other children would treat students who let's say were autistic, or didn't have the latest and greatest. And the cool thing about being an adult now <laughs> is that you have power in a sense. And that always stuck with me. But as a kid, you're, you're, just, trying to, you're just trying to be a kid. And I'm like, well, it's, it's not on me. You know, the, the spotlight isn't on me. So I wanted to make sure that I didn't contribute to anything that would make that still a thing. I can't change the world, but I can, as you said, put my mark on it, put my stamp on it. And I wanted parents to feel if you can, let's say, take your kid shopping, Styling by Chi has your back. And it starts young. So if someone's looking out for me who has a business or let's say they can afford, because they're an adult, certain pieces that I would love to wear, but I have their support, that's enough. And those children grow up to be adults. You know, Mm -hmm. and whether we realize it or not, sometimes we can still carry that, that view and that perspective. And I think we're all longing for a change in perspective. So I wanted to make sure I was changing people's perspective because it was always something that bothered me, you know? It sounds
1: like this really stems back to even your own childhood and what you experienced and what you saw. And then when you decided to be, you know, be a business owner, you could vote one way or another, so to speak, right? With the way, the direction you decided to take it. And it sounds like, you know, the event you know, gradually the you started to go in that direction. You started to realize, wait a minute, I can do something here with my business. Yeah. So it was the initial idea just to be in fashion and then it was a little the, bit more a little bit more mainstream, so to speak. Kind and then it of, sorted it started to have a some shape to it and some direction to it and yeah. some personality to it the more you got into it, is that?
0: Yeah, for sure. In the beginning, I was winging it, full transparency, so (laughs) whatever. I was like, okay, this is cool. I want to try this. Let me do this. And then when I saw the way fashion boosted my mental health and my self-confidence, I said, oh no, we can't keep this within ourselves. I had a great therapist that said, pay it forward. And that's something that he told me that stuck with me forever. And paying it forward doesn't have to just be in your personal life. It can be in every area. So if this is helping me feel good, someone else has to has to experience it as well. It's kind of similar to finding a good sale. And you got to text everyone, hey, this store is <laughs> having a sale, 50% off. And I wanted it to be the, the same way. So it, it was definitely a, a gradual process. Yeah,
1: that's great. So in your business, you have published a digital magazine Yeah, in the past. It's called Styling by Chi magazine. And then in earlier in 2022, you decided to make a print version of this. You yes. said, Hey, I want to create something that people can grab onto that. They can hold, give them a little, give them something for the money, something they can flip through, mm-hmm. see some beautiful photos, see some of the work that you've done in, and, and you're really showcasing those models and all that talent. Right. Yeah. And, um, I know from talking before, this was a huge undertaking and I can, I'm sure anybody listening to this that's ever published anything like physical, a book, whether it's a self-published book, whatever, a magazine, a newsletter, even an online newsletter, and you had been doing this digital for a while, yeah, knows though how much work this can be. Can you tell us what are some of the big lessons you learned on this endeavor? And also if you could just touch on the aspect of, because I'm sure somebody listening to this you know, wants to know if it's okay to experiment and try something and maybe decide not to do it. Because I know at this point, at least you've decided that you're maybe not going to do a physical one again, Yeah, you know, because that was so much work. And and, and that's a great lesson. Some people are are maybe afraid. They're not sure if they, they should try and put their word out there, put their name out there and then not do it. Maybe you can also talk about that part of the lessons that you've learned as well.
0: Yeah. As you said, it was a great undertaking. The biggest lesson I've learned along that journey was the scariest thing about failure isn't failing, is that you tried and you didn't see the other side. But in trying, in action, in forward movement, that is the other side. And that was the biggest lesson is that I didn't fail just because I changed my mind. I succeeded just from a different perspective. I saw it. I saw it through. So if a person moves to another place and it doesn't work out, they didn't fail just because it didn't work out. You saw it through, you started, you had a vision, you had a plan and you fulfilled that. And I think for those who may want to build a magazine or want to publish something, definitely try it. Just because it wasn't for me doesn't mean it won't be for you and you learn a lot about yourself. There were you know, there were deadlines. You you have to be disciplined in certain areas even within yourself if it's a book you're publishing and it's it's just you in it. You have to hold yourself to a different standard. And it was nice to see myself be able to do things that I didn't think I could. That you overthink, I don't know, this may be too much. And to find yourself months later, oh, it's done. And it had really good feedback was, was wow. You know, you never know what's on the other side of your interests.
1: Now, when you work with clients, especially individual clients, I know one of your philosophies is to, you know, for the person to embrace who they are, to embrace their true self and you know to be themselves. And this makes a lot of sense because when you're in fashion, you know, if you can sort of own it, you know, if you feel yeah. comfortable in your skin no matter who you are, it really shines through. Doesn't it on the on the photos and everything. You could tell the person's comfortable rather than trying to be something that they're not. So I know this is something that you talk about with clients. I'm wondering was this something that came natural to you? Came easy to you in terms of just knowing who you are? Or did you have some growing pains in discovering yourself and who you are that you've had to, you know, some lessons that you've had to learn? To be, because you certainly have a sense of style and thank personality. You. And I'm wondering, did that also evolve? And did you have to learn some things along the way?
0: It definitely evolved. And I thank my mom for that because it was, it was very challenging. In the beginning, I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. So it was very difficult to to feel confident and feel beautiful when you're kind of told you're not in different ways. So it was definitely something that I had to, that I had to build and I'm very grateful for because as you said, with working with various clients or some of the shoots, they seem comfortable and it that goes hand in hand. And if I'm not being my authentic self, no one should hire me because I cannot help you do that as well. It doesn't matter how much you're paying or how bad you want it. I, that wouldn't feel... Right to me to be your stylist and I'm not comfortable with who I am, what I am, how I dress, because how can I help you do that same thing? So it was definitely something that took a lot of work, a lot of tears, a lot of, okay, why am I so different? Why don't why don't I fit? And I've learned and I'm still learning to this day that there's power in in your authenticity and in who you are, where you are right now.
1: Yeah, it sounds like early on you realized that if I'm gonna do this profession, this business. I have to live this myself and I have to be yes. who I am too. Because like you said, who's gonna people are gonna see right through that? If you're not embracing who you are, then it's tough to expect that of the people you're advising, right? Yeah. So it's just it just makes total sense. And you walk you stepped right into that and walk and said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and I think it I mean, would you say it it's really helped you because you're yeah. probably even I don't know if it was more so than you thought, but it allows you to it kind of gives you permission to develop your own style and to be your own person and be your own individual, right?
0: I'm so happy you used that word because it was definitely about permission, thinking that I needed the permission from the outside world to show up. And my personal style and building that and having those hits and those misses, let me know that that permission comes inward. And any permission outside of you is extra,
1: So your work has been mentioned in some major publications. I'm not sure if they're print online or both, but, you know, places like Teen Vogue and Essence, et cetera, Newsweek. Can you tell us about a photo or a story, a piece that's been done on you, perhaps that you're particularly proud of?
0: I'd say Newsweek. Newsweek was definitely, it, it was something, I believe it happened during the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. God works in mysterious ways. But it was, it was great to be able to tell my story, how I started. And my friend, uh, Natalie Lasek, she's a photographer who who's often at Opia and works here as well. She was able to be included. And there's no greater feeling to be blessed and being able to have those you love experience that blessing with you. And it, it really, I was like, oh, this is a thing. Newsweek is big. I'm always, you know, you see it in the movies and stuff like that. And you think this can never happen. And that was something that was, wow, someone sees me and, and someone sees what I'm trying to do. And I, I was very, very grateful that it was, that those I style that are differently abled were included as well. There, were, there was a lot of focus on that and those I work with and, and just how I, I got there. And I believe I was maybe 20, 21 at the time. So that was like, oh my gosh, I'm free. I was like, mom, I'm in this <laughs> You know, so. That's
1: terrific. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, many people listening may not know that there's an official styling by Chi Day here in Pittsburgh. August thirteenth was proclaimed styling by Chi Day by the mayor's office, I believe. And um, this is largely due in part to the community work that you do. You do a lot of work in the community, nonprofits, et cetera. Now, I know that you this was something you were interested in pursuing. You know that, you know the, this this notion of, of having a, a day, who would have known this is <laughs> something that's out there, right? It's not something that most of us think about. And I think it's terrific, but even though you're interested in it, you still have to be selected. You have to be accepted. You have to be vetted. And um, when that happened and you realized that it was going to be a reality and you got the news that you had been selected for this, what were you thinking? Well, how did that hit you? How did that news hit you? And, and what did you think about it? And, and what do you think about it today?
0: You know, I think with some things, Darren, it's, kind of surreal that God deems you worthy. And I think that's something that's very humbling and it really makes you step back. Even still, it's hard to process because there are times when we're discouraged as individuals, business owners, whatever your field of interest is in, and God gently taps you on the shoulder and say, hey, you deserve to be here. And that's a very like, you know, it can kind of make you emotional. So so I, I, I still don't know. I'm stuttering now. I didn't know how to process <laughs> it then. I don't know how to process it now, but I'm I was filled with a lot of gratitude. And as you said, you had to be vetted and the proclamation had things included in that I did not say. So mm-hmm. I think when God puts you in, in spaces and allows people to see what he's put in you, it's just a, a very beautiful feeling.
1: Mm, that's terrific. Um, congratulations on that thank as you. well, because it's well-deserved. And thank you for all the work that you're doing here in Pittsburgh with um, the fashion industry, the nonprofits, and making it more accessible for people. Chi, as we wrap up, what words of advice could you leave for those listening to this now? You know, you have been able to create a business in something that you love, but you're doing it in your own way, and your whole passion that you developed for inclusivity, for accessibility, really stands out. The work you've done in the community, applying fashion to nonprofit, to all these other folks. I mean, this is people of all genders, all sizes, all shapes, all people. We didn't, I don't know if we've talked about this, but you know, children, adults, elderly. I mean, you're really trying to make it as approachable as possible. I'm sure somebody listening to this wants to do something as well, something similar. And maybe they want to also start a business in an industry that hasn't, you know, been known to be a big industry in Pittsburgh either. Mm -hmm. You probably have a lot to say about that. And also could just be just business tips and ideas because you have been in this business now for five going on six years. I'm sure you've learned a lot along the way. What could you share with those
0: listening? There's so much for you. There's like I, I, like, I can't stress this enough. There's so much waiting for you because as you mentioned earlier, no one is you, you know, in regards to me. And no one is you in regards to the listener. That's your power. That's your marketing strength. A lot of times people struggle with how do, How do I market? How do I, where do I go? How do I brand myself? You're your first customer, and you know, of course you want to make your business accessible if if you do whatever your your business is in, but no one is you. So there may be a million chefs, but there's only one Bob the chef. <laughs>
1: How can you make it yeah. individual? How can you put your yeah. own stamp on it? Yeah.
0: And whomever you believe in, whatever your your faith may be, you don't think that being wants you to have abundance? You know, and, and we talk ourselves into scarcity and, and think we're only limited to this thing. Well, I can't do this. Well, there are people in this. And it's like, no, you're 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 a human being and you deserve to have goodness just like I do. And when you believe that it reflects in your business, it reflects in everything, everything you do, your relationships, your job. When we're moving from a place of abundance and rather than a place of lack and scarcity, there's so much waiting for you on the other side. And that's something I I wish I knew when I started because I thought it was very scarce, but there isn't. There's a spot for you. And if there isn't one, you create one. And then once you create that spot, create some spots for those that are gonna come after you.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love the scarcity versus abundance too. It's something I talk a lot about. Resonates a lot with me, you know, because again, we all have a natural, for whatever reason, there's this human tendency to go to scarcity mindset first, to think like, If I'm going to be in a business or if I'm going to be in a, if I'm going to embark on some endeavor, if I'm going to do something that it's got to come out fully formed and it's got to be great. And there's only a limited amount and there's already people doing it that are so many levels above me. And, um, and there's so much, so much to grab and I got to be the best. And if I'm not the best, then why am I doing it? It's not right at all. It's like everybody started from the beginning. And it's like, when you do it that way, you realize, oh, this is a process, like, you start off knowing nothing, and you learn a little bit, and then you get better and better. There's all these levels that you eventually climb to, and there's there's something for you actually along the way, the whole way. And if you're giving, then you're obviously obviously going to be getting too, mm-hmm. because it's a give and take. It's 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 like once you realize that that's the right mindset to have, it, the whole everything changes.
0: And on the highest that. the highest level, they're still learning too,
1: right? At the highest level, because if you stop, then that's the end. You know, that's the end of you. You you're evolving till there's, till you're not here. Like there's just, it's this constant, there's always something to be attained. There's always something else to be done. So I just love that. What other, um, I don't know if you just have some other general practical tips or ideas in terms of just running a business that, that you've, uh, you know, challenges that you faced over the years, things that you've had to overcome, whether it's dealing with people, um, whether it's, you don't have employees, I don't think, so you don't really have that issue. You've been But also maybe you have the issue of just running a solo business because there's challenges with that too. So I don't know if you have any thoughts around any of those lines.
0: Two things. Patience is a blessing. (laughs) And there's a lot of reward on the other side of you having a patient spirit. You know, we want everything now. Sometimes a client can be challenging. So we're like, oh, we gotta get this over with. Uh, And at some point you didn't have clients. So, you know, just being patient and everything's not forever. Everything is impermanent. And also starting your business, whether it's an intern or a friend or a relative that wants to help or someone you trust that's not that's outside of your friend group, your family, you can't do it alone. You need help.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and Even if you're a solo business owner, you have a community, yeah, you have people helping you.
0: Yeah. You, you can't do it by yourself. I always heard... You know, people say that no man is an island. I'm like, you yeah, whatever. <laughs> but you really can't do it by right. your, you need some form of community, some guidance. You don't know everything, some wisdom, new perspective, and be open to that. Uh, there's power in r- remaining teachable. Even if you're you're making six figures, even if your business is in great standing, you don't know everything and there's beauty in that. So being open to receiving help and receiving a little bit of direction will take you a long way.
1: Yeah. Great. It's a great place to end it too. Chi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I love your energy. I love your spirit. And I love the work that you're doing here in the community. Keep it up. And thank you so much for being a guest today.
0: Thank you for having me. It's an honor.
1: Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do me and the Pittsburgh small business community a huge favor by giving it a rating on your favorite podcast app. It really helps others to find the show so that we can continue to build our community. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. And if you know someone who should be on the podcast or you'd like to connect with me, you can reach me at proprietorsofpittsburgh.com or at 412-336-8247. I'm Darren Volano, and this is the Proprietors of Pittsburgh podcast. Take care.